happy Sabbath. It's that time of the year when we don't know what to do. Should we rejoice with the world or should we be sad when we see all these things that people think they uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus, doing things that he said we shouldn't do. So we should try to be positive and find a way to tell people about truth, I believe. And uh, if we start focus on the negative, we cut off all the bridges. So just hope and let the Lord judge and sort out all that we do. But I think uh, we should be wise what we do in this time. I'll start with uh, reading something. Uh, it's kind of recently that is, uh, I think, some news that shows that we are close to a certain major event, I believe, and uh, it shows us prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, the Pope addressed a group of pilgrims, this, uh, the 13th, this week. And uh, he talked about the importance of Sunday observance and going to church. And uh, I'll just read a little bit just a few thoughts that he had. And uh, so here is what the, the Pope said about. Today we ask ourselves, why attend Mass on Sunday? The Sunday celebration of the Eucharist is at the center of the life of the Church. We Christians go to Mass on Sundays to meet the risen Lord, or rather to let ourselves be met by Him, to listen to His words, be nourished at His table, and thus become church, or rather His mystical living body in the world today. From the first hour, the disciples of Jesus understood Him they celebrated the Eucharistic encounter with the Lord on the day of the week that is called, that the Jewish called the first day of the week, and the Romans day of the sun. Because on that day Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared to the disciples, talking with them, eating with them, giving them the Holy Spirit. The great outpouring of the Spirit at Pentecost also took place on Sunday, the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus. For these reasons, Sunday is a holy day for us, sanctified by the Eucharistic celebration, the living presence of the Lord among us and for us. It is the Mass, therefore, that makes Christian Sunday. What kind of Sunday for a Christian is not is one in which there is no meeting with the Lord. Uh, a little we'll pass some others and we'll just go to some other thoughts he had. Uh, here is uh, something that talks about resting in that day, abstention from work on a Sunday did not exist in the first centuries. 
It is a specific contribution of Christianity. By biblical tradition, the Jewish, the, the Jews rest on Saturday. While in Roman society, there was no weekly day of abstention from servile labor. It was the Christian sense of living as sons and not slaves, animated by the Eucharist that made Sunday almost universally the day of rest. So he say he talks here about biblical tradition observing Sabbath by the Jewish people. And here he says that uh, they observe a different kind of tradition that has no biblical for the day of rest. Uh, and here he goes a lot, uh, but, uh, but I'll just finish up with, uh, in conclusion, why go to Mass on Sundays? It is not enough to answer that is a precept of the Church. This helped to preserve its value, but is it not enough alone? We Christians need to participate in Sunday Mass because only with the grace of Jesus, with his living presence in us and among us, can we put into practice his commandment and thus be his credible witnesses. Basically, it goes with my message. We need his living presence in us to survive the times ahead of us. And here it shows, I mean, here is the mindset we have to kind of be brought in contact and witness about the truth. There's lots of truth in what the, uh, the Pope said here, but it's also a lot of drawing the attention from Jesus Christ and place it on what people do. Here, of course, the teaching of the church is clearly that the priest, he has this capacity to feed you the bread and the wine and the body and the blood of Jesus and what they do that Christ will take you over and you'll become holy and holy. And is that concept about the ritual, you participate in ritual but and you get a benefit, but if your heart is not understanding what the ritual signifies, it's useless. And of course it might happen to us also, we come and take partake of the Lord's Supper and we think just taking that bread and why we are changed and become. And when we don't really look at what does mean and make sure that we understand what Christ meant by that and assimilate that and not just participate in something. Actually, uh, my, uh, my sermon, it's about this concept about Christ being in us or we being in him. And I think that's the only way we will survive in the, in the near future. And if you look, uh, I mean, when I looked and I read some of the New Testament, it's that concept is repeated so many times about Christ being in you and you being in Christ. And I want to look first at a few verses that mention that very uh, concept. And um, I would like to see how can we make sure that we are in Christ and Christ in us. Uh, first, let's look at First John chapter 2, verse 5. What book did I say? What chapter? 
two five. Okay, I just want to make sure we uh, we get there. And First uh, John chapter two and verse five. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him very is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So here, it's one of the criteria, how to know you are in Christ and Christ in, in you. If we keep his words, the result will be the, the love of God will be perfected in us and uh, we know that we are in him. And uh, the next one I would like to, uh, to take and look at is Colossians 1.27. And uh, here in Colossians one twenty seven, uh, it's again something about Christ being in you. Colossians one twenty seven, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. So that's the mystery of the and the riches of the glory, which is the mystery uh, among the Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, even when Christ, in his uh, priestly prayer recorded in John seventeen, he talks about. The Father being in Him, and then He talks about Him being in the faithful ones, and so forth, and and that we will become one in that way. To understand that concept, and look at what really that means, Christ being in us, and how that happened, I'd like to take a look when Christ talked about the Lord's communion. We see here, one church had switch that around and they put lots of emphasis of partaking the bread and the wine and you are a Christian if you participate in that. And we would like to see what does really that means about partaking of that blood and the and the bread. And uh, that concept was introduced by Christ in, uh, in John chapter 6. If you have your Bible, let's take a look there at, at chapter 6. And uh, here, uh, after Christ made the, uh, and fed the 5,000, he talked about us not laboring just for that bread, but uh, try to get the bread that is more important. And then uh, Jesus said in, in uh, Chapter th- uh, 6, verses 35. I'll just read a few verses here. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gave me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I am come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which had sent me, that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. 
And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. And uh, he talks there in verse 48, I am that bread of life. This is, uh, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat, therefore, and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And uh, he uh, explained here, Then Jesus said unto them, Very, very, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, had eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And then verse 30, uh, 63. And uh, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profited nothing. The words that they speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And here Christ says that uh, eating of that flesh and drinking his blood will make us to dwell in him and he in us. And because of that, the Father will raise us up at the end of days. To understand that, it's not necessarily just participating into the communion, but it's understanding what are those symbolizes. It's his spirit of sacrifice that he made him to let him his body to be broken for us, that we should follow and emulate. And uh, the more we would observe that and become, the more we become like Christ and he dwells in us and we in him. And then let his uh, blood cleanse us from sin. And that's, as Christ said, is it the Spirit's work. He points to you sin and then he helps you to forsake it and, and be cleansed from the sin. And uh, many uh, of us had decided to make that step and accept Christ's sacrifice and decide to follow. And in a way, we were baptized. And the baptist kind of says, we are there to the world and alive in Christ. Basically, we want him to take us over and lead us and guide us. So we'll have to take, how is this done? Will you feel a power that comes and takes over you, will kind of guide you and tell you, go there, go there, don't go, stay there or not? 
Actually, there are some people that put that, oh, you know, you will, uh, you will hear voices and the Holy Spirit will speak, you speak that on that. But, uh, from my own take, I don't think that's, uh, what's happening. Because here is a, you know, at the creation, God gave us the free will. And He will never take it back. He will give it, He gave it to you. He will cooperate with you. The, the Holy Spirit will show you, this is wrong, this is right. But He will not make the decision for you. He will help you to make the right decision. But you have to cooperate with Him and He will help you. The way it works, God, uh, He uh, doesn't force His will on us. He just shows it to us and uh, He helps us to do it. It doesn't work that way with Satan. When you go on his ground, he, he takes your will. If you go too much and too deep into, and he will try to force you to do things. And, you know, it happened when the demoniac came to Christ and he tried to talk with Christ. He could not because the demon were taking over and, and they spoke. But Christ understood that that man wanted help and he helped him and delivered from. So basically, uh, Satan will force himself on you if you go where you shouldn't go and basically it happens i talk with people that have mental problems and both of them very close to me they say they sense a power coming in their mind trying to take it over and force them do certain things many people say oh it's just your feelings and so forth but i believe it's satan trying to do that and uh, he will do that to certain people that uh we don't understand that much about, but we know when you play and you go on Satan ground and he can have power to harass you. But let's go back now to about how Christ will come in us and take in us. It's, uh, it's very important to understand how is that done. I like to, uh, Christ illustrate that many times in one of the parables that I mean, a parables in John 15, he talked about he being the vine and we are the branches and we have to abide in him. I like to start with a thought here that Ellen White had emphasized. I mean, it's a paragraph that she said about how is this union with Christ and we being in Christ and how is that done and uh, what's it really boiling down to? I am the vine, you are the branches. Christ said to his disciples, though he was to be removed from them, their spiritual union with him was to be unchanged. The connection of the branch with the vine, with the vine, he said, represents the relation you are to uh, sustain to me. The scion is engrafted into the living vine, it grows into the vine stock, the life of the vine becomes the life of the branch. So the soul that is dead in trespasses and sin receives life through connection with Christ. By faith in Him as a personal Savior, this union is formed. The sinner unites his weakness to Christ's strength, his emptiness to Christ's fullness, his frailty to Christ's enduring might. Then he has the mind of Christ. 
the humanity of Christ has touched our humanity and our humanity has touched divinity. Thus, through the agency of the Holy Spirit, man becomes a partaker of the divine nature. He is accepted in the Beloved. One of the things that um, I like to focus in here, he says that then he has the mind of Christ. And uh, if you look at practically, people that think, al- think alike, they will act alike. Do you agree with me? No? If somebody will think that sports is not good for your spirituality, they will not watch sport. No? Is that logic? <laughs> I mean, it's of course, it's, uh, you might have weaknesses, but we look here, we will get kind of uh, united with Christ. He will give us strength to do what's right. Uh, and to have the mind of Christ, this... Uh, concept is many times mentioned also in the Bible. I would like to just look here. Uh, let's look at one of these concepts in 1 Corinthians 2.16. talks here about the mind of Christ and to have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. And uh, 2 and verse 16. For who had known the mind of the Lord, that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. And also, it's a very known passage in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Where Paul talks with the Christian. And he uh, tells tells them about... uh, their need. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The same mind to, is supposed to be in us that was in Christ Jesus. So my uh, my take is this one. Uh, we have to see and understand first what's the mind of Christ and how does he think. And I think uh, when you, there is a one way we can do it, it's just studying the Bible. But not just reading it over to have, but uh, to understand the concept there and let our mind dwell on that until we think the same way. In that way, our mind becomes, I mean, Christ's mind becomes our minds. And uh, doing that, we will have the same results like he did. We will do the same things. We will do things that are pleasant in his sight because we kind of saw and studied and we uh, realized that those are... I'll just give you one example. Here, Christ talks about his union with the Father and he compares that we should have the same union with him and therefore, being united with Christ, we will be united with God the Father, no? It's, it's just simple logic. I know we use that at math. When something equals something and others equal, basically all three are equal. 
Here is what Christ said in John 8, 29. And he talks about how his union with God was done. John 8, 29. And he that sent me is with me. The Father had not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. So there are a few concepts here. Always, and he just does the things that pleases him. If you will just accept that rule and do the same things, always do things that pleases God, I think we will be kept from lots of troubles. And uh, my motto will be, let's have this for the New Year resolution. First, let's start with stop doing things that we know are not pleasing God. First, it's repentance. Let's start with that. And then find out more things that are pleasing and start doing those things. Until, I mean, uh, there's not going to be an end because Christ is infinite. Infinite. We will study and discover. And you can advance in being more like him. You are meek, but you can become meeker and so forth. In a way, you have Christ's example. He is the meekest person that could be because he's the highest lifted up. He's God. So he's the only one that can calm down. You know, when you are just a few feet, you cannot come. But when you are up at the top, he's the one that can come the lowest. And I think he gave us an example and he did that. So this is my 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 uh, ways. Let's study what pleases God and do those things that pleases Him. And let's work to have the same mind that Christ has. Of course, it's not easy. He said, oh, you, you, you don't know how it's going on in my mind. But here is a promise uh, about uh, what Christ can do in us if we will just let him do what he uh, he can do. Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten. What chapter did I say? What verse? Okay. All right. I just checking if you follow me. Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse five. Here is what Christ can do to us if we'll just. Oh, I'm first. Second Corinthians chapter. 10 and verse 5. Here, uh, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But here he talks about uh, his work in the gospel and he kind of says here will be casting down imagination and Every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How is with your thoughts? Are they all of them in obedience? It's, uh, that's why it's very important to control the re- I mean, uh, what we put in our mind. And of course, the, the 
most dangerous thing is Satan doesn't come open to you and say, oh, just put this thought in your mind. No, he won't come like that. He will try to sneak to a door, to a closed door, or to a door you don't know, you have it in your brain. And he will put it in your mind and you are not aware of. He's, he's not working fair with us. He doesn't come, hey, let me give you this idea. It's mine. No, no, no. He, he will come and try to say, hey, this is God's idea, when actually it's not. So we have to know our Bibles and make sure. And uh, I'll say, it talks here about the imaginations. And I think one of the things that we should be very careful, and I, I preached one time, I will just mention out, the TV and the influence of TV, especially movies, those are the one that... I tried to... Somebody asked me this uh, week, why well, he's not really a spiritual person, uh, if I watch movies. And uh, I was going not to answer his question, but, you know, he persisted. And I said, no, I don't watch it. And I tried to explain to him the main reason, I said. And, you know, this is... I put it up to you to understand why I don't... I stopped watching movies. The movie influence you and make and think, make you think that you don't really want to and make you more worldly. I say, oh, he said, oh, this is, it doesn't happen to me. <laughs> just, just, you know, you think, uh, watching something two hours will not influence your life and thinking. But that's what the movie, Satan come and said, oh, you know, just spend two hours there. Oh, you just have some and it is not gonna influence you and, you are not aware that he puts their thoughts and the imagination that are not really right. Ellen White talks clearly about the influence of that. And I'll just give you, I mean, I tried to give him one example. You know, the, the movie might have a good morals, but then there are certain things you are not aware that it's happening to your mind. You know, he gave you a good moral that life, you know, money and that is no. But then he put some Im- images of people having lots of money, and you are attracted to that lifestyle without you being aware. And that's you know, as like like as you look at the commercial when they make for drinking, you know, in reality is bad, but you know they put in the commercial there people being happy, and you are not aware that said, oh, you know, when you go out and you drink, you are happy. <laughs> When the reality is different, the people that drink are, hey, let's have another drink, and they are depressed. But your mind cannot select that, and they say, oh, oh, I'll just go, and it's going to make me merry and happy. And that's the way it puts their thoughts and imagination that are not good. That's why we should control those. Actually, Ellen White clearly said that we should try to keep and uh, away every evil influence and bad things that might happen. I know it's very hard because nowadays you turn the computer on and you try to read something and just pops up something there. And then <laughs> uh, your thoughts are kind of distracted. And uh, we have to have this uh, union with Christ. And I'll say, uh, you know, when you have this, you will see results there. You will see the world the way God sees it comparing to what the world sees it. And I think that's, it's something shows you that you are united with Christ. I'll give you one example. When you are united with Christ, you will see that and aging in a different way. It's not a loss. We call it a loss, but uh, the Bible says, for me to live is Christ and to die is 
gain. So it's not going to be a loss, it will be a gain if you can see things the way God sees it. And then uh, another Bible verse, precious is in the eye of the Lord, the, Lord, the death of his faithful ones. Of course it's tough when you see somebody dying and not having a hope of eternal life because they rejected Christ. I know God will help you to go through that because you study your Bible and you see God will not leave any stone unturned to save somebody. I just read recently that Judas and Ellen Jawai say that Christ had not left anything done undone that he could do to save him. So God did all possible he could to save, but he resisted and finally rejected. So, when you see a loss of somebody that is dying and it seems not to have, you can rest that God did everything possible. And of course, you don't know what happened. Maybe they might have said yes in the last moment or something. You don't know. Uh, the judgment and the eternity will reveal that. Then, aging. <laughs> That's one of the tough ones when you see, you know, I'm kind of about the, at the top going down, <laughs> almost half a century old. But for me, I'm trying to get that mindset. You know, I'm trying to keep that worldly influence about, oh, you know, getting old and you know, not to look that much about. I know it's it's tough when you see those things, you know, you used to do and now you're not able to do anymore, anymore. But we have to see that the reality, that's our fate here on this earth. But here is a Bible promise that uh, will keep us to see, uh, will help us to to go a little bit and see aging difference. Just accept the reality of that, but have something that will... Here in Second Corinthians 4.16. And uh, for which... Uh, okay, let's... Uh, I'll wait until you get there. First Corinthians 4.16. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians 4.16. For which cause we fail not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So even we see the outward is falling, we can be renewed in the spiritual sense and be drawn closer to God and be more able to tell other people about his love and his uh, character and of course about eternity with him. And I'll pray that uh, we'll spend more time to know what the mind of Christ is. And uh, his mind will become ours. You know, you will see the world in a different way than the world portrayed. The way puts so much emphasis on the looks, looks it, uh, you know, external. If you read there the, your Bible, you see God is not that much concerned. The people that he inspired to write, they didn't write almost anything about. And in a way, God created everything beautiful in his time. We made ourselves beauty if we are just crabby and, you know, uh, having that attitude, we leave wrinkles, certain wrinkles in your, in your face and you will become like a, you know, crabby old man, as they call it. <laughs> 
And the, the result and the action is that. But when a person that is Christ-like, smiling and, you know, gracious with others, he will have a different look on his face and he'll be more gracious. My prayer and hope is that we will decide to get drunk and get closer to Christ, spend more time in knowing him personally, not just like uh, knowing about him, but, you know, knowing in a way that we see the things that are pleasant in his time and we will enjoy the same kind of things. And we have uh, not that much time left. I mean, I know everyone is busy. And when we have some time, we spend it with all these trifles the world is trying that poison our imagination and not prepare us. So, I'll just suggest, let's, uh, maybe, uh, you know, when you have a New Year resolution, it's uh, put there something about knowing Christ and His mind and controlling every thought and doing always things that are pleasant in His sight. My resolution is by God's grace that uh, I'll be wise and try to spend my time wisely and do things that will help me to have the, a clear mind and understand what Christ is and be able to tell others. I think uh, the end is very close and near. Actually, the, even just on the other front, the leader of the Orthodox Russian, he said... You can see with the naked eye that revelation is close to happen, the apocalypse, the end of the world. He said that. Of course, he doesn't have the right understanding because he said, now it's time for all the religion to draw closer. <laughs> no, it's time to draw closer to Jesus Christ. But, you know, the reality is... And somebody will say, hey, what's wrong? Hey, let's get all the religion get together. Let them have. The problem is when they'll get together, they'll come against people that don't join them because they have the true religion. May the Lord help us that Christ will be in us, and I think that's our only hope in the future. Amen.